Believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. I learned a lot from my dad. In fact, it's amazing how often I hear his voice coming out of my mouth. Anybody identify with that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Unfortunately, though some of what my dad taught me was good, some of it was less so. One of the things that is not good advice is the phrase you have probably heard many times, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. That is a false statement. In fact, one of my goals in this message is to convince you never to say anything like that again. You must be heavenly minded if you will ever be any earthly good. You can give an amen on that one. Remember, I'm an amening kind of pastor. Indeed, our big idea today is hope in heaven. Live for fruit. Today and throughout our time in Colossians, as Pastor Benji is on sabbatical, I have a twofold goal. The first is to give you hope. You and I need hope. You and I need hope more than we need food or water. You and I need hope more than we need oxygen. The second goal I have throughout this series is to help you find that hope because you will find it in God's Word and through those friends around us who are basking in the sunlight of the Word. In fact, allow me to be a messenger of hope to you this morning. Colossians chapter 1, 3-8. through We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So having received the good news, the Colossians' hope causes their faith in Christ and love for the saints to bear fruit and increase as it also does everywhere the good news is preached. So, two very basic questions to start off the top. What is hope? And how do I get this hope into my heart that will cause my faith in Christ, my trust in His promises to increase, and so that I will joyfully be able to do the works of love that Jesus set out for me from eternity past? Start off with the definition of hope. Hope is the power of soul. Hope is the power of soul in times of great stress and anxiety, not just to endure the evil day, but to be joyful and to fill our lives with the fruits of righteousness. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to overcomplicate things. Faith, hope, love. These aren't some mysterious forces that happen to some people and don't happen to another. No. Hope is the very real life power of soul that strengthens you to trust and love and live beyond all the frustrations that happen to every single person on God's green earth. This is exactly what Paul says here in Colossians 1, 3-5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Because biblical faith, biblical hope, biblical love are simply three ways of speaking, three aspects of looking at the same reality. And it is the power of soul that expresses itself in every aspect of life. Now, that's not how we normally talk. That's not how we normally live. Normally, usually, when we talk about hope, we're expressing some uncertainty. I hope Golden State wins the finals. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that amen. That was a good one. We are, you know, somewhat positive, or we pretend to be positive that whatever it is we're talking about will come to happen. But that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is not based upon uncertainty. Biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Because any fool can hope that he wins the lottery. But we have to know where do I find biblical hope? Where do I find true hope? Where do I find life-changing hope? Is it in education? Paul was one of the most educated men of his day. Didn't mention it. Is it in power or money? Again, Paul willingly gave up both. The place to find hope in this hopeless world is God's Word and those who steep themselves in His Word. Biblical faith, hope, and love are always found in community. Paul says that, verse 4, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for, that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this hope, you all have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Now, <clears throat> Interestingly, in this passage, Paul doesn't say straight up, Word of God. And he doesn't use the word Bible. Instead, he uses two other descriptors. He calls it the Word of Truth and the Gospel, or the Good News. The first emphasizes the quality of God's Word to us, and the second emphasizes the nature of it. God's Word can be depended upon, and God's Word 
powerfully, the Bible powerfully promises future good that you can take to the bank. In other words, all the pains, all the frustrations on earth, the promises of God will give us the power of soul. The hope that is necessary to face them with joyful expectation. Not just that we'll muddle through it, but that all of these struggles will work out for our good, for God's glory, and for the growth of His kingdom. Biblical hope will empower us to trust the promises of God for us in Christ, and biblical hope will empower us to love those nearest us as Jesus commands us. Because those other people, they're hard to love sometimes, aren't they? (laughs) Talking about me there. This is the fruit of righteousness that you and I need to live for. Make no mistake, trusting the promises of God for you in Christ is the fruit. It is the active blessing of God showing that He is alive and well in you. Make no mistake, trusting the promises of God for you in Christ is the fruit of your labor in His Word and in fellowship with other servants of Christ. My friends, being in the Word and being with others who are in Christ is what it means to plant your soul in the soil of hope. This is what Peter is talking about when he says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This kind of life is what it means to bear fruit. This kind of life is what it means to be a Christian. Now, one last thing to note in this part of our passage What specifically is the object of the hope that Paul is talking about? He says it right at the beginning of verse 5. The hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, remember, Paul thanks God for the Colossians' faith in Christ Jesus and their love for the saints that is rooted in their hope for heaven. But now, we need to be careful here. Because there's a lot of people, many even in the church, who think of heaven as some pie in the sky in the by and by. It isn't really very real to them. Oh yeah, you know, someday I'll be in the no smoking section. It's not real to us because our imaginations are consumed with the characters on our favorite TV show. Now I'm not judging nobody here. I'm just telling you how it really works in the real life. If we put our focus here, everything that is here will be real to us. If we put our focus here, everything that we think about here will be very real to us. That's how psychology works. But, significantly, importantly, what we find is that heaven is the place that moths and rust don't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. And networks don't cancel our favorite programs. You and I can trust and hope 
and love because you and I know that there is no sacrifice. There is no giving something up to get something better that can't be destroyed or stolen. In other words, what Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And my friends, this is why you and I can fuel our faith and love with hope. Biblical, life-changing, glorious hope. In fact, you will find no fuel. You will find no better fuel for strength of soul. You will find no better hope that will empower you towards act of faith and love than in feasting on God's Word. Especially when you're doing this feasting with others, other close friends who want to grow in Christ as well. That is how you will hope in heaven and live for fruit. Paul continues, second part of verse 5. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. You see, the gospel, the good news, is what Paul is describing here as the grace of God in truth. The good news bears fruit and increases wherever it is heard. Now we saw in the first part that Paul emphasizes the promises in God's Word that can be depended upon, chief of which in this particular passage is the hope of heaven. But now Paul switches gears, so to speak, and he's emphasizing the reality that this word of truth, this gospel, is powerful. It works. It does what God intends for it to do. This power is exercised by and flows through you. Wherever you are. If you're walking with Christ, you have access to this power to change your heart and to be an instrument of God to change the heart's of others. But that begs a very important question. What is fruit? Well, in the New Testament, what we see is fruit is described as several different things. People coming to Christ is called fruit. We see people who love each other and forgive each other. That is called fruit. We see individual acts of faith or individual love motivated by this hope are called fruit. But we also see, and what I think Paul is emphasizing here, is this personal growth, this individually me becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And if you have a pulse, especially if you have a spiritual pulse, you want to bear fruit. You want to become more like Jesus. So go to his word Don't trust what other people on TV say about it. Go to it yourself. 
Lord Jesus, give me grace to hear and understand what you are saying in your word this morning. You see, you and I need to learn, we need to trust, and then we need to share this truth. That's our job. Then God the Spirit causes His Word to bear fruit in us and then through us in others. You see, we both have a job to do. It is the power of God the Spirit through His Word that spreads hope for all people no matter who or where or what they are or what they're going through. Hope is powerful. Especially in the hopeless land in which we are living today. And by the way, side note, the Word of God is going forth very powerfully all around the world. This is a great quote I read this week. Persecution threatened to wipe out Iran's tiny church. Instead, the church in Iran has become the fastest growing in the world and it is influencing the region for Christ. Amen. Amen. Where's the last place you would think that the church is growing? Iran? Really? It makes me wonder. Perhaps the reason it's not growing faster around here is because we don't embrace the hope that we already know, that we already have. And perhaps this is because we're not listening to the powerful world of truth, but instead we're filling up our souls with the snicker bars of cultural dribble all around us. My guess is that it's not quite so easy to get snicker bars in Tehran as it is in Santa Maria, California. And that is why the Word of God is going forth powerfully. Amen. Amen. One constant refrain you will hear from me over and over as we go throughout Colossians is that you and I need to be meeting with one, two, or three people at a time during the week. You need to be about the business of giving hope and receiving hope from God's Word through others. This is how you will gain the hope you need to grow in Christ. The hope in heaven so that you can weather the disappointments and frustrations that are everywhere in this sin-sick world. Being in the Word and being with people who are in the Word is your job, so to speak. It is what God does through those who are trusting His promises so that you will have the hope you need to trust Jesus and to love those who are nearest you. You and I must do our job because God is doing His. Be in the Word. Train your taste buds to love God's Word. Then, then you will hope in heaven and live for fruit. And as you and I become more and more the kind of people who fill our hearts with God's Word, then we have to ask another question. What kind of life will this produce? What, what does it look like to be the kind of person who trusts God's promises more and who loves God's people more? What does it look like? How can 
my life look different? 21st century Santa Maria, California. What might that look like? Is there any place we can go in the New Testament to find a picture of this? Well, of course we are. Philippians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Pick a chapter in any of the Gospels. Or you can go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, just as you understood the grace of God in truth from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Now, I love this. I love this particular verse. And you have to understand why. It's because it's so easy to skip over parts of the Bible when you're reading it. You're reading it and your eyes just kind of glance over the page. Has anybody ever done that? I, that that's, that's been me far more often than I care to admit. But this particular verse that you might be tempted to just kind of gloss over is filled with glorious grace. Epaphras is beloved. Epaphras has so lived his life that he is recognized by Paul and the people in Colossae as someone who loves people. And because he loves people, he is in turn loved by them. Now, I would far rather be loved than respected or feared. Evidently, Paul felt, or Epaphras felt the same way. And furthermore, he was a fellow servant. People love and trust and respect the people that they serve with. Ask any vet. And Paul here identifies himself and Epaphras as veterans in the army of the Lord in serving the people who are around them. They have grown in their love and respect for each other and therefore they trust each other. Paul had such a high view of Epaphras. Think about this for a second. Paul had such a high view of Epaphras that he gave him part of the Bible to deliver. He gave him a part of God's word to take to the Lycus Valley so the people there could have their hearts encouraged and they would have hope in order to trust and love. Why? Why did Paul have Epaphras in such high esteem? Because Paul knew from experience, because he was there firsthand to see it, Paul had personal experience with Epaphras as being a faithful minister. Whether you call minister, pastor, the same words, they basically mean servant. Epaphras is the kind of person who puts others first. And Epaphras, like millions of men and women since, is faithful at serving others. But lastly, and this is important, he is a beloved fellow servant and faithful minister on your behalf. Epaphras looked at life and he thought to himself, how can I get the most out of life? What would it look like to be a happy person? To be the kind of person that joyfully lives through all the garbage that happens to everyone? How can I so live my life that 
It clicks, even when bad things happen. Epaphras obviously looked at life, and he lived for maximum hope for himself and for those who heard him. And he did it by putting the Word of God and others first. And Paul wants the Corinthians, the Colossians, to know that. My friends, this is not some boring, dry, academic discussion. This is personal. This is even intimate, a recommendation so that when the Colossians see Epaphras, they will recognize his authority. And Epaphras had authority not only because Paul commissioned him, Epaphras had authority because they could trust him to love them. Because what he does, the service he gives, is for their good. Do you want people to trust you? Do you want people to love you? Do you want people to put their hope in what you're saying? Look out for their interests and they will. Labor for their good and they won't be able to look the other way. Lean on God's Word and the power to do so through God the Spirit and you will not fail. Not at least in God's eyes. You see, Epaphras, like many in this room, I'm looking at you. Epaphras is filled with hope. He knows to whom he belongs and he knows where he is going so he can afford to live lavishly in the service of others. And he, like many of you in this room, can imitate those whose hope is infectious. Find people around you who fill their hearts and their minds with what is good and therefore who fill their lives with those around them with what is good and then join them. Join, for example, the Patagonians as they lead our efforts in Serve Santa Maria coming up Saturday, August 25th. You didn't write that down. Saturday, August 25th in the morning. Serve Santa Maria, our next one. We're going to be hitting that some more. Join the Sharps as they serve dinner on Thursday nights and hand out God's Word to people for the Central Coast Rescue Mission. You want to see firsthand lives change so that you can have hope as you go through the garbage of your life that you go through? Meet them on Thursday nights. Join many ladies, some of which who are in here right now, who volunteer in various capacities at our CareNet Center. You don't have to do counseling. There's lots of jobs that they would love to have you do. And I'm embarrassed to say it. One of you, a couple of weeks ago, came up and said, hey, I want to be involved in our homeless bag ministry again. You know, we've done this a couple, three times in the last several years. Now, I'm sorry, I'm going to confess. I don't remember who it was who said that to me because you probably came to me on a Sunday morning. And if you come to me on a Sunday morning, it goes like this. Send me an email. You have an idea? You have a dream for being a part of spreading hope in the city of Santa Maria? You call me, you email me, and I will help you do it. Because we need to be about church bigger than these four walls or else we're not going to be able to make it, folks.
We are not going to have hope in our own soul. We are not going to have the power of soul to make it through all the frustrations of this life unless we are. And we sure are not going to be spreading that hope to others unless they see it. Do you want to gain hope for heaven? Then live for fruit. Now, I was born into a family that was confused in every way, religiously especially. My dad was a man who rejected Christianity, didn't even want to hear about it, and the only thing that he could say about Christianity is that it's brainwashing. My mom would go to church when it was convenient, and though I I believe she is a Christian, she's never been able to find a home where she can set roots so that she could grow herself. So, about two months before my 18th birthday, I came to Christ, and for three years, I bounced around from church to church. And then I went to First Baptist Corona, and I met a man who took an interest in me as a person and not just some punk 20-year-old kid in college. He was the manager of a 3M plant. He had a hundred some employees underneath him. And he was willing to meet with me for 13 weeks on Tuesday nights. We memorized the order of the books of the Bible. What kind of crazy person does that? We memorized a ton of verses. And we talked about several topics that addressed our lives. I mean... At that point in my life, who knew that a book written between 3,500 and 2,000 years ago had anything to do with the life of a 50-year-old plant manager and a 20-something-year-old college student? John Lowry, by the grace of God, changed my life forever. He lives in Minnesota now. I haven't seen him in more than 20 years. But I am forever indebted to him for being a beloved fellow servant and faithful minister on my behalf. And he was so through the grace of God the Spirit and the power of his word. You can be the same. Increase your hope. Grow in your ability to hope. Enable yourself to trust the promises of God for you in Christ and love the saints who are around you by making disciple, making disciples. Now, how specifically, I'm getting into brass tacks now, how specifically will meeting with others help you? You will notice as we go throughout Colossians, and in fact most of Paul's letters, that Almost everything Paul says is based on the fact that Christians must be involved with each other. Ask yourself a question. All the one another commands, all the commands found throughout the Bible, love one another, build one another up, serve one another, forgive one another, all these commands that are found throughout the New Testament, how many of them can best be done on Sunday morning? Answer, none of them. When are they best done? They're best done as you are meeting with a brother or sister during the week. As you are sometimes encouraging and sometimes smacking 
so that they will be spurred on to love and good deeds. So start today. Today. Ask the Lord right now, while I'm preaching to you, while you're sitting there, ask the Lord, Lord, who is someone I can meet with? And then make plans to start meeting with them. But then, a corollary question, a second question comes up right after that. How will doing a very specific study help you? Now, unfortunately, if you're like me, quick, everybody check their pulse. You got a pulse? Okay, yeah, you're just like me. All right. If you're at all like me, you'll find that once you start meeting with somebody, you're going to start talking about the NBA finals, or you're going to talk about that uh, baking, the the British baking show that's on um, whatever channel that's on. And you're going to get sidetracked. You're going to get moved over from getting to finding the hope that you and I really need. You and I need to find something to keep our focus on what we need to grow in our ability to hope. And you and I also need something that will enable us to do this discipleship everywhere and every when. Because... How many of you feel fully qualified to make other disciples? Well, that ain't me, that's for sure. I don't, and I know most of you don't too. So what do we need? We need something that will give us a direction and the Word of God so we can do this kind of growth. So I have an idea. Use this book. This book is called Growing in Christ. It's made, uh, published by the Navigators which the Navigators, Nav Press is one of my favorite presses still. And this is a 13-week study. It's not the one I did with John Lowry. Uh, If you're interested, I still have that one too. But in this study, what you will find is the first five promises you need to know. The first five promises you need to know. And then you'll find eight topics about which... Every Christian needs to understand what the Bible teaches so that we can have hope. Get this book, not because it's the end-all, be-all of discipleship. It's not. But it's a first step. And you can then take this book and use it with somebody else and help them grow because you never learn something so well as when you're teaching it. These books... Uh, online cost about seven bucks each. We'll give them to you for five. Go to our welcome center right outside these doors, and we have some there for you. And if you don't have five bucks, but you're willing to do it, and you're willing to meet somebody at Starbucks and do it together, I will give them to you. As many copies as you will, in fact, use, I will give them to you. Get it. And and just as another note, um, besides doing one-on-one discipleship. Besides doing my own Bible reading, the number two thing that has helped me have hope is reading missionary biographies. One of you gave this to me recently. I haven't started it yet. It's called Safely Home by Randy Alcorn. Find missionary biographies. Hint, we have a ton of them in our library. Find missionary biographies and your heart will be encouraged. You will have hope. Because let's face it, You and I need hope.
Because we live in the Sahara Desert of hope. You and I need this fresh spring of living water that comes from God's Word and through those who drench themselves in it every day. This summer, today, begin to make it your purpose to find this hope and hopeful people. Hope in heaven and live for fruit.